Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Hey, we're starting a series entitled This Is Us, where we talk about what it means to be a part of the family of God. We're talking about what it means to be a part of the family of God. And in this first installment of the series, I want to preach for a little while using as a subject flaws and all. Flaws and all. Look at somebody and say, God accepts you. Flaws and all. Amen. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. The hit television show, This Is Us, follows the generational story of Jack and Rebecca Pearson and their children, the big three, Kevin, Kate, and Randall. In one particular episode I was watching while I was preparing for this sermon, I found an episode in which Jack moved out of the house after a series of arguments with his wife, Rebecca, over their home, the state of their lives, and Jack's battle with alcoholism. In this particular episode, this particular clip, Rebecca goes to the house where Jack is staying, knocks the door, and begins to plead with Jack to come home. She says, I don't know what happened. I don't know why I let you leave, but I shouldn't have let you go because this is not us. This is not how we do things. And even though Jack knows that he needs to come home, even though he recognizes that home is where he needs to be, he refuses to come home because unbeknownst to Rebecca, while Jack has been away from her and their children, he has relapsed into alcoholism. And he tells Rebecca, you don't know everything about me. Matter of fact, I'm drunk right now. I've been drunk all week. And I can't come home until I'm able to get myself together. And whether you know it or not, beloved, many of us, are in the same situation as Jack or have found ourselves in the same situation as Jack because there have been times in our lives where we knew we needed to come home to God, where we knew we needed to get right with God, where we knew we needed to go deeper in our relationship with God and grow closer to God, but we felt like we had to wait until we got ourselves together. We feel like there are there is a purpose the inside of us. There is a calling on the inside of us. There is a destiny on the inside of us. We know that there is more to life than what we've been feeling, what we've been doing, what we've been experiencing, but we find ourselves unable to take that next step closer to God because we know that we have something on the inside of us that is preventing us from getting as close to God as we want to get to Him, and we feel like if we could just take some time to fix it first, then 
then we could come to God the way we need to. And is there anybody in the house today that can be honest and admit that you really in your heart want to get closer to God and you want to walk in the purpose that God has for you, but you've got some issues that you feel like you need to get under control before you can have a real relationship with God. Okay, this message is not for the bougie people. It's not for the stuck up folk. It's not for the people who feel like they've got it all together. It's not for the self-righteous people cutting their eyes at other folk in worship. This message is for the real people who can testify that deep on the inside, even though I got my church clothes on and my hallelujah has been perfected, my life still got some stuff in it that I need God to get out of me before I can get closer to him. I feel like God is trying to pull me closer to him. But every time I try to leave sin, something keeps pulling me back. Do I have a witness in the building? You got a relationship you know you need to cut off. You got some habits that you know you need to kick. You know you've got some friends that you need to disassociate from, but you can't do it because something on the inside of you is fighting you as you're trying to get closer to God. God, and we can try to lie about it if we want to, but just like Jack Pearson's alcoholism kept him away from Rebecca, Kevin, Kate, and Randall, we all have issues in our lives that if we let them would keep us away from the family of God. But what I love about this particular episode I was watching is that it paints for us perfectly the portrait of what real family is supposed to be. Because after Jack tells Rebecca about all of his issues and closes the door in her face, seemingly ending the conversation, Rebecca doesn't leave, but she knocks on the door again and tells her husband that whatever his issues are, whatever he is working through, whatever they are dealing with, they will deal with it together because that's what families do. And she tells them, get in the car. And Rebecca sends a message to Jack and to us in the church this morning that you don't wait to get yourself together to become a part of family. But family should be the people who help you get yourself together. The reality is we all have issues and we all have flaws that at times in our natural families can cause us to be cast aside and rejected until we're able to get them together and get them under control. But the beauty of our lives is that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are accepted into the family of God, flaws and all. God, help me. We do not serve a God who waits until we get right to accept us, but we serve a God who accepts us when we are at our worst and our weakest and when we can't get right. As a matter of fact, the gospel message, y'all, is good news, but it's not good news for the good people. It's good news for those who can't get right. God, help me. Is there anybody here who's glad that the gospel is for the can't get rights, that the gospel is not for perfect folk, that the gospel is not for great people, that the gospel is not for people who got it together, but the gospel is for people like me who slip and fall sometimes. The gospel is for people like you who want to stop cussing folk out, but every time you to stop cussing somebody decide they want to test your gangster the gospel is not for the good it's for the can't get rights but the beauty of God is that he accepts us even when we can't get right whether you know it or not beloved this is the message that Paul the writer of Romans is trying to communicate in Romans chapter 5 verses 6 uh, verses 6 through 8 Paul opens up Romans chapter 5 it's actually one of my favorite passages of scripture Paul opens up Romans chapter 5 verse 1 by telling us that if we have placed our trust in Jesus though we used to be God's enemies we now have 
peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul is teaching us that there was a time when we were at we were the enemies of God, literally at war with God. And because God has an obligation to wipe out all of his enemies, we were destined to be wiped out because of the sin in our lives. But God, because he loves us and he's rich in mercy and he doesn't want it to perish. God, because he is a just God and he's a good, good father. God decided that instead of wiping us out, Paul tells us that God used the blood of Jesus to make peace with us. God, help me. You missed it. God should have wiped you out. God should have did you like the U.S. Army does to the Taliban when they're overseas. God should have wiped you out like you were an Al-Qaeda terrorist. God, when he saw you, shouldn't have looked at you with love and affection and compassion. But because you are a lying, cheating, cussing, whoremongering, sinful person, because you are gossip, a liar, you're self-righteous, you got issues on the inside of you that you won't let the blood cover. God, when he saw you, God help me, should have destroyed you. But instead, he used the blood of Jesus to make peace with you. And is there anybody in the building today? Can we have church? I told him I wasn't going to hoop today, so y'all got to help me preach. Is there anybody here uh, in the building today that's not too stuck up to admit that you should have been dead because of your sin? But the only reason you're still here is because he made peace with you. God help me. You didn't earn peace. You didn't deserve peace. You didn't work for peace. You didn't negotiate your peace. You didn't have the capacity to get peace for yourself. But God made peace with you. As a matter of fact, do me a favor real quick. Just bump your neighbor. Don't even look at them because they stuck up. But just bump them and say he made peace with me. God help me. Oh God, he should have made war with me because I was a liar. He should have made war with me because I was cheating on my spouse. He should have made war with me because I was no good. He should have made war with me. But God made peace. I feel like preaching made peace with me is there anybody here that's glad that God made peace he made peace with you Marcus the worst thing they could have did was give me a whole month to prepare a sermon he made peace with me and not only did God make peace with us but he invited us to become a part of his family. In other words, check this out. God's enemies get to join God's family tree when they put their trust in Jesus Christ. God help me, let me run that back. God's enemies get to join God's family tree when they place their trust in Jesus. But the most beautiful part is that When we get to verses 6, 7, and 8, we find out that God didn't wait until we cleaned ourselves up to make peace with us and accept us into his family. But God decided to look beyond our flaws and love us at our lowest and give us his all when we had nothing to give him in return. And on the surface, this sounds like great news, right? Uh, uh, This sounds like great news that God doesn't wait for you to fix yourself before he accepts you into his family. He accepts you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He'll accept you with all of your lying, all of your cheating, all of your cussing, all of your sleeping around, all of your smoking, all of your non-commitment. He'll accept you with all of your issues and your trifling ways. And he doesn't wait for you to change before he fixes you. 
but he accepts you just the way you are. And that's good news, right? But if that's good news, why aren't more people accepting the invitation to come home? It's because deep down, we have a problem with accepting forgiveness from God that we did not earn ourselves. The sin in our hearts tricks us into believing that if we really want to be right with God, then we got to bring the table. If we really want to be accepted, then we have to do something. And on the surface, that sounds noble, but really that is the sin of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is the belief that you have to do something to make yourself righteous with God. You got to do something to make yourself clean in the eyes of God. You've got to do something to make yourself upright in the eyes of God. You're trying to work your way into something that you don't even have the capacity to work your way into. But the gospel teaches us that I don't have to do something to be accepted by God because Christ has already done something for me. That I don't have to work for my salvation because Christ already did the work on my behalf. You don't have to do it because Jesus did it. And if you're really saved in the building, I know we got a lot of cute testimonies. I know we got a lot of cute ways to tell our salvation story. But if you're not a good public speaker and you don't want to be in front of people for a long time, if you really want to tell somebody how you got saved, just abbreviate it and say Jesus did it. Because that's the testimony of every blood-bought believer in the building. Jesus did it. I, I don't know how it happened. I wasn't looking for God. I was having fun at the club. I was strolling with my frat brothers. I was kicking it with my homegirls. I was drinking hypnotic and Hennessy. I was smoking weed. I was sleeping around. I was doing whatever I had to do. But somehow or another, in the midnight hour, God arrested me and took me captive. And he changed my life. And I don't know what happened, but all I know is that God did it. Jesus did it. So then once I recognize, my time is almost up, once I recognize that it is Jesus who makes me right with God and not my accomplishments or my ability to behave myself, I realize then that the real fight is not to be accepted, but the real fight is to accept that because of Jesus, I am already accepted. And if we will be honest, This is difficult because many of us have been hurt by people who claim to love us in spite of our flaws. But the first time we disappointed them or the second time or the third time, they wanted to throw us away and throw our flaws up in our face. But God wants you to know that he is not like the people in your life who disappointed you. He is a different kind of father. And because he's a different kind of father, this is a different kind of family. As a matter of fact, help me preach. Touch your neighbor and say, this is a different kind of family. Oh God, this is a different kind of family. I know you're used to dysfunction. I know you're used to being afraid to go around your people at the family reunion. I know you're used to not wanting to introduce folk to your family because your people got issues and you're embarrassed 
generous, but God said this is a different kind of family. People don't judge you based off of where you come from in this family. In this family, your daddy's issues don't have to attach themselves to you. In this family, in this family, this is a no judgment zone. In this family, you're able to receive love unconditionally. In this family, you are accepted. You are adopted. You are home in this family. And everybody wants to know, God, help me. Why do you keep saying welcome home? This ain't their house. This is a church. The devil is a liar. We've had enough church. People ain't looking for another church. They're looking for a home. They're looking for a place where they can be themselves, where they can find God where they are, where they can be ministered to where they are, where we don't try to clean them before we catch them, but we catch them and let the cleaner fix them up. God, help me. Is there anybody here? I'm from the country, but I don't know how to clean no fish. All I know how to do is eat them. So if you leave it to me, all the fish going to get ate up. But I know somebody who can clean a fish because he cleaned this one. God, help me. Do me a favor. Help me preach. Touch somebody and say, I know he can fix me. God, help me. Oh, because he's a fixer. Oh, God, you can ask David, a lying, cheating, whoremonger, can he fix you? He'll tell you he can fix you. You can ask Samson, a man who laid his head in the wrong lap, whether or not God can fix you. He'll tell you God can fix you. You can ask a cussing, lying, angry, cutting folk fishermen like Peter, can Jesus fix you? And he'll tell you God is a fixer. God accepts you into his family, flaws and all. So then, and I'm done. So then, what does it mean to be accepted into God's family? What does it mean to be accepted into God's family? Number one, it means that I stop apologizing for my weakness. Because I understand that my weak times provide the right time for God to step into my situation. Let me help you. Stop apologizing for your weakness. Because your weak times provide the right time for God to step in to your situation. Look at what he says, verse 6. For while we were still helpless at the right time. Now those two, those two phrases don't even seem like they go together. Helpless. Literally in the Greek, that's a word that means without strength. Powerless. Lifeless. But then the writer says, he follows that word up with a word called kairos which is different from chronos, minutes, seconds, hours. Kairos is the appointed time. It is the God time. It is the God moment. So Paul is saying that the right time is the time when you recognize that you don't have the power to help yourself. Let me help you. It's because as long as you got power to help yourself, You'll take credit for what happens in your life yourself. But the reason why God keeps allowing situations in your life to make you weak and make you feel powerless and you feel like you just along for the ride and things are happening to you and you don't have control over your life. It seems like everybody has control except for you. The reason why that's happening is because God wants you to realize that you don't have any power. 
But when you realize that you don't have any power, the Bible says that is the right time for God to step into your situation. That's why you keep bumping your head up against that wall. Because you're still using your own strength. That's why that situation won't get any better. That's why that difficulty won't move out the way. That's why that relationship won't get fixed. That's why they won't act right. It's because you keep trying to fix it yourself. But once you find out that only God has the power to fix it. God will step into your situation. Okay, uh, I thought that would preach better than that, Aaron, so let me try to help you. Uh, uh, I, I recently, uh, my wife don't give me credit for all my time in the gym. I've been in the gym for a minute now, but I'll just say recently because we got a, a, a domestic discrepancy about how long I've been working out. Um, but I've been working out for a little minute now. Uh, my wife says like a month. It ain't been a month. It's been longer than that. Uh, but I've been working out, and uh, I... I, I, I really, really don't try to do cardio. Cardio is my wife's thing. She run on the treadmill, do the elliptical, do the stairmaster. She can have that. I'm, I'm a lift because I don't want to run nowhere. I feel like I'm a black man. got enough places to run. I got to run from the police. I got from bill collectors. I got to run from Donald Trump. I get enough cardio in my daily. But I'm lifting, right? And so one day I'm in the gym and I decide that I want to test my max because I ain't done a max since I've been in college. You know what I'm saying? I ain't had to work out on the regular since I was an athlete. And so I decide I want to max and see how far I can go. But instead of a one rep max, the guy that's lifting with me uh, tells me I need to do a three rep max because that's how I can test my strength. So I put as much weight on the bar as I feel like I can do for three reps and I'm doing it. Uh, I do the first rep. I do the second rep. And I'm on the third rep, and midway through, I'm pushing. I get it to halfway, and the bar comes crashing down. And right before it falls on my chest, the guy that's behind me grabs the bar and says, push. And I push and rack the weight back on the bar. Now, wait a minute. Before you shot me down, I get mad. I'm like, man, you knew this was heavy. Why didn't you help me at the beginning? You should have helped me when you knew. I, I, I did the first one fast. I did the second one a little slow. You saw how slow I started doing this one. You should have been helped me. He says, as a spotter, I don't kick in until I see that your strength has been exhausted. God help me. I don't come to your aid. Until I realize that you don't have any more power left. And is there anybody here that's been in the weight room of life trying to do this thing on your own? And you feel like your arms are giving out. Don't keep trying to push. I dare you to just let it go. Because there's a spotter named Jesus that kicks in at the right time during your weak times. God help me. Is there anybody here that had a weak moment but God rescued you? I was getting ready to sleep with somebody I wasn't married to but a spotter kicked in. I was getting ready to call that ex that I know I need to leave alone, but the spotter kicked in. I was getting ready to drink my problem.
problems away. But the spotter kicked in. I was about to walk off my job and give those folk a piece of my mind and damage my testimony. But the spotter kicked in. Is there anybody here? God, I feel it now. Who can testify that the weak time is the right time for God to step into your situation? But not only does it mean I stop apologizing for my weakness because I understand that my weak times provide the right time for God to step into my situation. But second of all, being accepted into God's family means that I learn to be okay with receiving love that on paper I'm unqualified for. It means that I become okay with receiving love that on paper I'm unqualified for. Verse 7 says, look, for one will hardly die for a righteous man. Qualification one. Though perhaps for the good man, someone would even dare to die. That's qualification two. He says, look, uh, a righteous person might get somebody to die for. A good person might get somebody to think about dying for him. But what he's saying is, you ain't righteous and you ain't good. But somehow, somebody died in your place. And many of us, the reason why we ruin relationships is because our dysfunction has damaged our ability to receive love when we know we jacked up. God, help me. How many of you have ever hurt somebody because you didn't know? Come on, let's be honest. You didn't know how to receive love. Because you're trying to figure out if they're running game on you because you know you're crazy. And you're trying to figure out after all you're crazy why they're still there. Can I be honest? Me and my wife, we get into it because we both got type A personalities. My wife tried to leave me every week. And at least she got the guts to tell me. I try to sneak out at night like I'm going to the gym and put all my bags in the car. Then I realize I wouldn't know how to get out of town if my wife ain't giving me directions, so I got to come back to the house. Because we both know we jacked up. And when you're jacked up, you're always waiting for somebody to abandon you because of your jacked upness. But God says, I want to redeem your relationships by causing you to understand that there is a lover named Jesus who gives you love that you know you don't deserve. And instead of trying to figure out why he loves you, just learn how to be glad about the fact that you got somebody that will love your crazy behind. God, help me. Oh, God, you need to learn how to be excited about the fact that you got a God that loves you. When nobody else understands you, when nobody else wants to deal with you, you serve a God that loves Loves you unconditionally. I got to move. So I stop apologizing for my weakness because my weak times provide the right time for God to step into my situation. Number two, it means that I learn to be okay with receiving love that on paper I'm unqualified for. But number three, and I'm in my seat, it means being accepted into the family of God means that I no longer work for acceptance. But I work from acceptance. That my service to God is not so that I can buy my way into heaven. But my service to God is a way for me to say thank you for everything 
that God has done for me. My, my, my service to God, my, my holy lifestyle is not so that I can get, get inside the gate. Jesus already did that. But I live out of gratitude. This now changes the way I see God. Because I'm no longer relating to God as a slave that's trying to receive a reward or trying to avoid punishment. But I now relate to God as a good father who loves me and I'm have in my life. God help me. That my life to God is now lived from a place of security and gratitude. But this also means that I no longer have to try to impress people. Because I already have the affection of the only one who matters. And many of us, if we'd be honest, we do our social media, we pick our clothes, we do our career aspirations, we talk about ourselves, not because we love ourselves and we're proud of what we're doing, but we're trying to gain the approval of people who will never like us and probably don't even know we exist. God help me. But when you understand that you've been accepted by a holy God, you free yourself from the desire to gain the approval of people. God, help me. Uh, You free yourself from the desire to hear other folk tell you how pretty you are and how smart you are and how handsome you are and how intelligent you are. You can just be and you don't have to do anything extra because you've already received approval from a holy God. And I want somebody to know in the building today, you have been approved by a holy God. This also means That I no longer have to battle with self-esteem. Because I am secure in him. My security is not in me. My security is in him. That my position in Christ is what gives me my esteem. So I don't have self-esteem. I got something better. I got Christ-esteem. And because he refuses to change up on me, my self-esteem or my esteem doesn't fluctuate because God always feels the same way about me. He loves me just as much now as he ever will. He'll never change. But then lastly, this means that I don't strive to obey God. Hear me clearly because I want to deliver somebody from some bad theology. I don't strive to obey God because I want to go to heaven. I strive to obey God because I'm grateful. That holiness is not how I get inside the gate. Holiness is how I say thank you. And if God has really done something in your life, then obedience to him is not how you get salvation, but it's how you let folk know that salvation has really happened and I'm grateful for it. Because only somebody who doesn't understand the value of something can trample something as amazing as grace. If you've really experienced grace, then you've got to value it in a whole nother way. And God says that being a part of this family means that you have been accepted in a new and a complete way. How many of y'all believe that today? I mean, how many of y'all really believe it? God says, I'm accepting you. Flaws and all. Stand to your feet.
I want every head bowed, every eye closed. We only got a few minutes. If you're in the building, if you're in the building, and you know that you've had that you've allowed to keep you away from God. You've had issues that you've allowed to stop you from coming to God. Ain't nobody looking, nobody walking, nobody moving, nobody getting up. But if that's you, if you know that you need to come close to God, I just want you to slip your hands up. I see you. I see you. Come on, if you know that You've allowed your flaws to put space between you and God. I just need you to slip that hand up all over this auditorium. I see you. I see you. And if you want to make a decision today to come closer to Jesus, to accept the love that comes in the name of Jesus, 